This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit on 7 to 9 a.m. Visit us on www.kpulpit.co.za. Last week, Frederick and I kicked off with this topic and spoke about it in general. In our busy lives, many of us struggle with the concept of serenity and how to experience that amidst the sometimes craziness of our daily lives. There are times when we experience serenity as individuals and as a couple, but there are times when we really struggle with that. I'm sure you can identify with that. During this month, we're going to focus on the first three lines of that serenity prayer, as it could be used as a guideline in everything we encounter and all the decisions we make on a day-to-day basis. Yes, and once again, we're very welcome. We're very glad to have Gert Muhlman with us. He's an experienced counselor who, by God's grace, has uh, been recovering and recovered from addiction for several years. He spoke to us earlier this year about the 12 steps and intimacy with God. So if you missed, possibly that missed that uh, episode, go back to the uh, podcast for the 9th and the 16th of March and revisit some of those golden nuggets that he was able to share with us. Gert, very, very welcome. Good afternoon, Frederick mm-hmm. Suki. Thank you very much for having me back. Yes, it's no, we really love to have you back. And we're curious to hear what you're going to say about these first three lines. Because, um, as you know, many fellowships where people struggle with addictions go to, um, they often use these three lines. And some of them just use these three lines as a, as a basic prayer before they start. Do you mind kicking off by sharing those lines with us? Uh, It will be a pleasure. Thank you. Um, The serenity prayer goes as follows. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Mm. We we often read that together mm, eh? as a group, like that. The whole group reads that together. Yeah, and uh, Suki, it's just amazing for me, um, the actual depth of each of those lines. And um, as we mentioned in our previous uh, broadcasts, Trevor Huston wrote a a one-year devotional with one month on each line of this serenity prayer. The the full serenity prayer has 12 lines, so one line per month. Can you imagine? So he did 31 mm. readings on the first line. Yes, yeah. (laughs) And so that's about the number he does on every line. So that's why we thought it's deep and it's worthwhile to look into it in how we can apply this in our recovery journey. So what is the first thing that comes to mind for you, Gert, when you you say those lines? The first thing that comes to mind when I read or think about the serenity prayer, I think Maybe it's the it's the the first awareness is how I misunderstood the word serenity to start mm-hmm. off with, mm-hmm. uh, especially in pre-recovery. Um, I think my first experience with that was when I woke up one day in about I would say about three four months into recovery, and I woke up and something felt different, and I wasn't sure what it was. And after a while, I realized I'm awake and I'm calm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the, mm-hmm. I am these two things together. And that was new, and I started realizing that serenity for me was something new. It, it was 
different from just being in a calm mind. It was a calm state of being. Mm. And the other thing that immediately comes to mind, I think, when I look at the serenity prayer is to pray it specific. In other words, it's so, let's call it Mm -hmm. (laughs) user-friendly. I can pray it in my specific circumstance today and now. I prayed it before you called. I can pray it when I'm worried. I can pray it when I'm anxious or overly excited or it's just, use it i can use it in Mm. any circumstances Mm. and it's always helpful so the first thing that comes to mind is that it's not just a little ritual but it's a powerful prayer that um allows us to tap into our unique authentic circumstances Mm. now that that brings me very close uh, because you're saying it's a calm state of mind And, and you know some people's minds are very very busy but I think it also goes a little bit deeper because Trevor says in his book, um, it's finding your heart, your true home. Um, your heart's true home. Yes. Finding your heart's true home. Mm. And that's the place of serenity where life is crazy and things are upside down around you. But your heart has found its true home. Because you know God is in this and he will mm. eventually work things out, right? How do you respond to that? That's so beautifully put, finding your heart's true home. Um, yeah, it reminds me of the um, addictive searching heart. For me, it was there was no home for it. It was always searching. Um, it was running. Um, and I think by doing, I'm in a 12-step fellowship, and by doing this, the work in the fellowship, um, I think a conscious contact with God was reestablished. And one of its fruits is serenity. Mm. Mm. Uh, I heard a very important word there, uh, as I work in the yeah. fellowships. Um, so it is, it is not a question of sitting on the couch and praying for serenity, and then it appears. Uh, it sounds to me there's something that uh, the, the seeker of serenity needs to do. What do you think are some of the things that can be done? Yeah, you're right, Frederick. I 100% agree. It's the uh, spiritual growth is definitely not a matter of debating and thinking and wondering mm. and uh, talking. It's it is action, and um, it's action uh, daily discipline. It's searching, and the word searching for me implies discipline. Um, in spiritual growth, mm. in morning quiet time meditation, being in contact with God throughout my day, um, talking with Him. Mm. He's my Father. I, I um, consult with Him on, on every thought and action that I'm busy with during the day, and then closing my, my days in the same manner. So there's action to do, there's service to be rendered, there are people to reach out towards, and there's me to get out of, um, and to get out of His way, uh, so, so that I can become more effective. Him. Mm. So I think maybe that takes us back to the first word of the serenity prayer, God. Mm. Not yes. so. Um, in other words, it assumes that there is a relationship um, because if you don't uh, believe in God and you don't have a relationship with him, how can you ask him of, about something or ask him for something? Absolutely. I think pre-recovery, I had a perceived belief system, and now I have an 
belief system based on an experience mm. which was rendered by this relationship. And this relationship did, didn't just happen overnight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was uh, because of a handover and because of, uh, as I've mentioned the word discipline before, mm. I, I believe in the concept of the three Ds. I make a decision uh, and then I apply discipline and then mm. that becomes a delight. And then I just want to take us back again. So, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So, can we get a bit more specific about how do you apply these three lines? Maybe in your role as a husband, a father, um, can you let's get Mm -hmm. some let's get practical here. Right, yeah, let's think about that. Um, yeah, one of the the many blessings I've received in recovery is that God gave me a wonderful wife, and as you say, now I'm a husband and a father. Um, and I think the way that we just spoke about the, doing the work, and as a result of doing this work, I realized I was quite codependent on my wife's perceived thoughts and opinions about me. Mm. This this prayer has helped me with that, that um, I became more God-centered, and um, as a result of that, I am now, there's a much healthier relationship, that I am not always wondering, focused on what another person, particularly my wife, is thinking about me, because if I do my best and I spend my time with God, that's good enough. Mm. As a father... It helps me to have less of an urge to control my daughter's behavior, maybe, Mm. and her reactions to life. Mm. In other words, also getting out of God's way. Mm. Um, Mm. Looking at her, both of them, looking at my wife and my daughter through the eyes of God. Mm. I will will not have that opportunity if I'm not spending time with him. Mm. I wouldn't know what what they look like. So what I hear you you talking about accepting the things that you cannot change, right? Yes. About them. You cannot change them. You cannot change your wife and what she thinks. And you cannot be dependent on that. And you cannot change your daughter and what she does and her responses. Suki, that's a very, very important point. But let's continue with with this point after the break. Okay, thank you. A nice break. Uh, thank you, Gert, for being with us again. And uh, you were speaking about ex- uh, not trying to change your daughter or your wife's behavior or thoughts or opinions. What does that boil down to eventually? If you can't change them, what do we need to do? Thank you, Frederick. Yeah, I think oh, it was quite the opposite of what I expected it to be. There was such a freedom in mm. not having to try and control anything around them, um, that there was choice and I could take a step back and just let them be. Mm. And as a result, love them more, mm. uh, just be shown uh, who they really are through God's eyes, as I said. Isn't that very much like the serenity prayer says, accept the things I cannot change? Mm. And, 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 and that yeah. acceptance doesn't mean accepting abuse, but it's accepting that I cannot change somebody else's behavior. Right, right. And then while we're talking about that, how do you apply that as a counselor with your clients? As a counselor, I'm growing to learn to allow and facilitate clients to discover their own truths Mm. um, using their own resources 
as a result, I, I become less directive and prescriptive to them because I, in the beginning, I, I would really like to help and fix. And that mm. word fix is not, it's not helpful to the mm. person because then they come back to, to another person as opposed to discovering, but they are good enough. They can do this mm. um, themselves with the help of God, with the direction of God. Because then they can discern the difference between what they must accept, what they can mm. change themselves. They know they 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 can follow that path. Mm. Uh, you said a very important words. They know what they can change. Um, what what are some of the challenges that you see your counselees are struggling with with regards to this principle of change? I think, you know, the the quote that comes to mind is from Waldo Emerson that says, to grow is to change, to change often is to have grown much. Mm, mm, and um, mm. there's also, uh, on the topic of quotes, there's another quote in the fellowship by Herbert Spencer. And it, it, and it relates to your question, why do we struggle with change? And why is there such a resistance? And I find that often with counselees. Mm. Um, Herbert Spencer said there's a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all argument, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. This principle is contempt prior mm. to investigation. Mm. And I find that quite a lot. Contempt prior to investigation. I found counselees running through the scenario in their head, coming to a conclusion, and then thinking to themselves, well, that's not going to work. Mm, so mm. there's contempt and they haven't tried it yet. And then hopefully we can together walk this road and discover a new way and discover that we were wrong about certain things mm. um, and mm. that it's okay that these old ideas, um, that there's actually a wonderful reward in, in being wrong mm. um, to realize, oh, but my whole life I've been believing the wrong thing about myself or the people around me or, or circumstances, mm. that um, there's something new is something good to to not always to have to be right. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. And isn't that, I often find, especially as Christians sometimes, we we really think we can help other people to change to change or to, mm. to point them in the right direction. Uh, sometimes, Suki, I think uh, we think it's our responsibility yes. and it's our good Christian yeah. work to, to help somebody to change. Yeah. And then that we, we fall them, yeah. into fixing and we don't realize that. We actually think we're just helping them. Yeah, I think also what, relating back to your question about uh, how counselors struggle, um, I think the other thing that I would like to just quickly mention is that the nature of, I think for myself and most people I bump into, is that we want to do a little bit and get a lot of results. So mm. in fellowship, we talk about half measures. Um, and there's a quote that says, half measures availed us nothing. Mm. It doesn't say half measures availed us half. It availed us nothing. Mm. So I find often that counselees want to do the minimum and have great rewards and great results. Mm. And maybe that's also uh, an area to investigate with them to see how's that worked so far. Mm. Right, mm. yes. <clears throat> so maybe we can continue to the next part of the prayer that says, changing the things I can. And so what do you find are the obstacles to that, to changing the things I can? I think we kind of, that's what I've been alluding to is that the obstacles are I want to do as little as possible. Oh, or right. I mm. think I know what the outcome is going to be. Mm -hmm. I think oh, there's a lot of thought around that mm. as far as uh, my, my experience with people and myself in the mm. past has been. And often when it comes to changing the things I can, 
don't have to do with other people, right? It has it has more to do with me and my perception and the way uh, Frederick and I mentioned in the previous program, my fab, my feelings, my attitude, my behavior. Mm. Um, That's right. And not changing the other person, but those are the things that we can change and, and actually maybe even struggle to change and that we really need to ask God to help us to change. Mm. It's so important, Suki. I quite often just pray the thought exactly to the purpose of what you've just said. I pray that my reactions, my reactions towards external circumstances would be more neutral, more accepting, and that I would know the difference. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. <clears throat> you know... Uh, it, it takes me back to the days when I was in active addiction. I, I I didn't have any idea of my fab, and and that is not a fabulous. It <laughs> is my feelings, my attitude, and my behavior. Mm. And actually, when I started becoming aware of my feelings, uh, it was very difficult for me to actually engage, to actually feel those feelings. And uh, while I was unaware, there were those feelings that influenced my attitudes that eventually influenced my behavior. For example, um, Suki would go out the door to go and work, uh, to go and teach, and I would be sitting in front of the computer, and my mind told me, my feelings told me, I'm very lonely. And my attitude was... Um, I'm very lonely. I must do something that I'm less lonely. I need to almost medicate. It wasn't a thought, but it was an inbuilt attitude. And eventually my behavior was acting out, watching pornography. So that is how the feelings, attitudes, and behavior work. But we, we need to become so aware of our feelings. And I know men, and I speak for myself and perhaps many other men, we don't want to talk about feelings mm -hmm. because cowboys mm -hmm. don't cry. Um, mm -hmm. You know, what do you think about those attitudes with regards to changing our, our feelings, attitudes, and habits? I think you're right. I think there's a perceived... That's what we spoke about, old ideas. That's a perfect example of a man coming to a point where he realizes, oh, you know what? Um, cowboys can speak about their feelings, mm -hmm. for example. And it's very healthy, and I'm feeling so much better now that I've spoken about this thing that I feel so much shame or guilt about. Mm. It's an old idea being exposed, um, and then it, then it loses its power. Mm. Um, so what I hear is that um, the change starts happening when I start realizing that there are certain lies that have taken, that have taken control of my life, and um, I've been listening to those lies. That's correct. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a tool of the enemy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. To make often, me believe and yeah. to focus on the wrong things and to focus on the lies. And often and we start experiencing them as truths. So I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, no problem. Um, and often we're not aware of the things that we believe. We we act on certain beliefs that maybe had come from childhood or things that we've seen and that we formed certain beliefs. And when we speak them out, it actually sounds silly. But if but we need to become aware of those beliefs so that we can identify the lies. Mm. Because from the beliefs come our thoughts and our thoughts comes our feelings and then the behavior comes. So, yeah. so it's very yeah. important to identify those beliefs beliefs and to change, you know, to become aware of the lies and then to change the lies as truths in our life. And, and I, I think that is where this part of the prayer comes in, the wisdom to mm -hmm. know the difference, mm -hmm. um, because uh, we really need wisdom. 
to be able to discern what we can and what we cannot change. Yeah. Um, what type of wisdom is that, Gert, very briefly? So the wisdom for me would be to step out of the way and let God's will be done. Let mm. it be about Him and not about me. And um, just quickly to about the, um, the the part about taking action, I, I have bumped into this thing that there's a reward for for us to stay sick sometimes and there's a cost to change mm. and to heal. And I, I need to find out wh- where my responsibility lies according to that. So as far as change is concerned, um, what is the reward of staying sick and what is the cost of changing and healing? Where is my responsibility mm-hmm. in that? Mm. Yes, and that once again takes us back to the wisdom and ask God for wisdom and he will grant it. Mm. Because so often we're not even aware of that, right? Um, thank you so much, Gert. It's been good to talk to you again and to get your insights on these first three lines of the prayer. Um, it was great to talk to you. Thank you very much, Gert. Thank you for having me, Frederick Suki. It was great to be back. Bye. Keep, keep well. Bye. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit on 729 AM. Visit us on www.kpulpit.co.za.